Years ago, ABC News career correspondent Bob Rosner would occasionally give speeches in which he would ask people to tell him why their boss was the worst boss in the world. And he got a lot of interesting uh, responses. He said probably the worst boss that he ever heard about was the one who asked his, assi- his assistant to type her own termination letter. Um, but I also heard about another boss that may be worse than that, and there's a company in New Zealand called the Patch Rubber Company. And one employee, Murray Gardner, had a double bypass uh, in the month of January after a week of chest pains. And as he recuperated in the hospital, his boss visited him there to tell him that he had been fired from his job of 11 years. You know, and today we're going to talk about what to do with your boss. Some of you may be retired, but uh, uh, some, of you, some of us still uh, work. And what do you do when you have a boss that's tough and bad? It's difficult. You know, it can be even worse when you're, at a, Christ- when you're a Christian and you're working in an unchristian workplace. You have to put up with all kinds of uh, nonsense bullying perhaps or incompetence or harassment discrimination not respecting your rights maybe invading your privacy and you might be listening to that list and thinking yep check it off check it off yeah that's me I'm I'm working in that kind of environment if you work in a really good environment you've got a lot to be thankful for but how do you maintain your Christian faith in an unchristian workplace well what we're talking about, and as we journey through the book of First Peter, and I invite you to take your Bible and turn to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, we'll look at verses 18 through 25. And what we're talking about in First Peter is how really to live out your Christian faith in a sinful world. How to be a citizen of God's kingdom spiritually in a fallen world. And this may deal with... Um, your relationship to the government we looked at that last week or uh, next week we'll start to look at your relationship to your spouse maybe your relationship to your kids because no matter where you go you're going to run into sinners and uh, there's sinners there in your home every time you have a new child and you bring them into the home you got another problem to deal with don't you there's sinners in your home sinners at the workplace sinners everywhere you go and in fact of course you yourself and me we're sinners as well. And so we, we live in a world that's fallen, that's, that's far from perfect. How do we, as Christians, live out our faith in such a place? Being a Christian in the workplace, especially in an unchristian workplace, begins with your relationship to your boss. Your relationship to the one that's the superior over you sets the foundation for all other relationships that you have at work if you have a good relationship with your boss it's like setting a thermostat in your home if you don't set the thermostat right in your home everything else is off but if you set the thermostat right where you're comfortable then things can go a lot smoother for you at home that's the way it is with your boss and so primarily we're going to talk today about your relationship with your boss what do you do with your boss in first peter chapter 2 We'll read uh, verses 18 through 25. Scripture says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. 
For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Uh, while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly, righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian for your souls. This entire passage, even the part that talks about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that he endured for the sake of us as he died on a cross and he served faithfully under God, even that section of this passage that we read deals with how you should relate to your boss. The principle, at li the life principle here is this, submit to your authorities. We saw the same principle last week when we talked about what to do with the government, what to do with Donald Trump, what to do with your congressman, the Supreme Court, the police that pull you over when you get a little bit too heavy on the gas pedal. What do you do with those that are authorities over you in a civil environment? You submit to them. That's what Scripture calls us to do. Now, in your work environment, the same principle is in effect. Submit to your authorities. Submission, again, is a continual acknowledgement and acceptance that there is an authority over you. Submission and obedience, as we saw last week, are very related ideas, but they're not exactly the same. You can obey an authority without an attitude of submission. Submission is a hard attitude. It's an attitude that says, yes, I willingly submit. I willingly obey. Someone can begrudgingly obey, but that's not submission. We're called as grown adults, as believers in Jesus Christ, to submit to our authorities whether or not those authorities are nice, whether or not those authorities are helpful to us. And that's a difficult lesson for us to learn. When someone mistreats you, you sort of want to push back. You want to shake your fist. You want to get mad. But Scripture calls us to submit to our authorities. All of us have authorities in our lives. And as Christians, submission should be easy because we're learning constantly how to submit to God. We've already have this as a matter of practice in our lives. And if you can submit to God, then you can submit to any human authority over your life, including your boss. So let's look at this more carefully. In verse 18, it says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Verse 18, that word servant, it literally means slaves. Back in that day, we live in a different culture, obviously, than what scripture, when the scripture was written. But back in that day, there were, there were slaves, a large part of the Roman population, the population in the Roman uh, world, uh, were slaves. In fact, the most common workplace relationship was that of slave to master. 
But the slaves that they had were not like what we typically think of, uh, because when we think about slavery, we go back to the Civil War time in our own country. And uh, that slavery was uh, quite different than the kind of slaves that they had in the first century. You know, our, our understanding of slavery is based on what happened in the United States in 1860 and previous to that. But in the first century, slavery wasn't based on ethnicity usually. It usually wasn't as degrading as American slavery sometimes is depicted. First century slaves were generally very well treated. And there was extensive Roman legislation. There were, there were government protection uh, that regulated the treatment of slaves. First century slaves were actually usually born in the household of their owner. And a lot of time those slaves were household managers or they were business managers. They would run the business uh, for their owner. Uh, many of them were doctors or nurses or teachers or musicians or skilled artisans, yet they had a relationship with someone that bound them to that person, and so they made money for that person. Um, and so it was um, a little bit of a different scenario than what we typically think of when we think of slavery. First century slaves were usually paid for their services. If they did a really good job with the business that they ran, for example, they themselves would uh, be paid well for that. In fact, first century slaves could usually purchase their own freedom. Some slaves had their life situation so good that, that they could, even though they could purchase their own freedom, they remained willingly under the, uh, in, in servitude to their owner. And so if the slaves of the first century could submit to their bosses that they usually, under normal circumstances, could not walk away from, at least not easily, then you can submit to your boss. We have a much different situation. Any one of us, if we are in a workplace, can go to our boss tomorrow and say, I quit. And we can go get a job somewhere else. And so the submission that's required of us is much different than the submission of a slave in the first century to his owner. What I submit to you is that if Scripture commands them back in the first century to submit in a relationship that they cannot easily get out of, surely we can submit to our boss because we have a relationship that could change with two simple words, I quit. Verse 18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. The word respect there is the Greek word phobos. You know, you talk about someone has a phobia. And we get that word. It means fear. Submit to your masters with fear. But it doesn't mean the kind of fear where you live in terror that you might do something wrong and they off with your head, that kind of thing. It's not the kind of fear that you would uh, hopefully have that for your boss would be just uh, terribly mean to you. But rather it's to have a healthy desire to avoid their displeasure. In other words, in your heart, when you go to work tomorrow and you submit to your, the authority that is your boss, there ought to be a part of your heart that says, I want to make my boss proud of me. I want to do a good job for him or her. I want to do a good job for my own sake, but I, I want to avoid 
making my boss upset. And so there ought to be something along that line in your heart. You ought to want to please your boss. You might say, well, what if my boss, what if he's mean? What if he's cruel? What if he's not a Christian? What if he, you know, is one of these terrible bosses that he doesn't even care about his employees? I don't have to submit to that guy, do I? I mean, don't the attitudes and the actions of my employer impact whether I submit to him? The answer is no. The answer is no. The behavior of others should not change how you live or the kind of person that you are. And that includes the behavior of your boss. Look at verse 18, the rest of it. Scripture says we are to submit not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Have you ever had a boss that's unreasonable? Have you ever been a boss that's unreasonable? If you've ever had a boss that's unreasonable, it's just a, it's a bad situation. It's hard to go to work in the morning. It's hard to get up and do your very best for that person. But Scripture says we are to submit to our bosses, the ones in authority over us, whether they're kind and gentle and good, or whether they are mean-spirited and unreasonable. God has ordained that you should submit to authorities, and the actions of an unjust authority in your life do not destroy what God has ordained. Does that mean that if your boss tells you to sin, that you should sin? No. Just like the government, if they tell you to disobey God, you can, you can disregard that one. But generally speaking, you submit to your boss. You do not sin ever. You do not lie you do not cheat. Don't do those things. But you submit to your boss. You know, it's easy to submit to an employer who's good and gentle. And if you've got a good supervisor, you need to thank God every day. Every day. It's a little bit harder or a little bit easier to go to work. If you're going somewhere that you've got a good employer to go to. But there's a lot of Christians who have to put up with employers who are unjust Sometimes your boss can be crooked. Sometimes your boss can be perverse. You know, there, you, may have a, you may work for a company that mistreats their employees. Maybe even a company that's dishonest regarding pay, have terrible working conditions, have unrealistic expectations. Years ago when I was a pastor of a church in uh, Cincinnati, uh, we had a new secretary that had come on board. And about six months after... Uh, she had come on board uh, she just sort of mentioned in passing that the personnel committee that hired her um, had promised her a certain salary or a certain hourly income that she wasn't receiving she was making about two dollars less per hour than what they had promised I said are you serious and she said yeah and I, I said let me look into this and I didn't have the authority myself just to make a wholesale change, but I went to those that did. And I talked to our treasurer, a good godly man named Ron, and he said, well, we've got to fix that. He said, let me talk to the personnel committee. He found out that what she said was true. And so immediately she got all the back pay that she was owed. Even though it wasn't in the church budget, even though it sort of put us in a little bit of a tight spot, the reality is a good employer will pay you what they promised. Sometimes you, and I've worked for employers that 
don't do things the right way though when you respond with grace to mistreatment by your boss scripture says you find favor with god look at verse 19 for this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward god a person bears up under sorrows while suffering unjustly this is one of the great principles of scripture that i think we overlook a lot of times jesus said back in the sermon on the mount when you pray go into your closet and pray there don't make a big show of it don't bang cymbals around and let everyone know hey i'm praying go into your closet for no one knows but god and jesus said god who sees everything in secret will reward you later in that same sermon jesus said when you give money to someone who's poor don't make a big show of it don't tell anybody don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing keep it that secret and god who sees everything will reward you for it jesus said that when we do good we're to do good in secret not for not for show he said that if we do things for show then we've received our reward you want to let everyone in the world know what a great and wonderful person you are, how humble you are? That's your reward. That's all you get. The Father will not reward that person. But if you do things in secret, the Lord will reward you in public. In this same type of spirit, Peter is saying to us, if you work for a boss that's mean, and ugly that cheats maybe rips you off that's dishonorable in some way if you work for a boss that's unreasonable and you work for that boss and submit to that boss in a godly way god will reward you for it god is mindful of it verse 19 talks about our conscience toward god we always need to be mindful of god it says for this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward god a person bears up under sorrows while suffering unjustly having a conscience toward god being mindful of god is really the attitude that you need and so when you get up in the morning and you've got to go to that mean boss of yours be conscious of God. I'm really working here. I'm going to give my best today for the Lord. Maybe not because my boss deserves it, but I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to do my very best for the Lord. But if you fail to submit to your unrighteous employer, you're only going to make things more difficult for yourself. Think about the practical side of it. You've got a, a bad boss who treats you real, real mean or doesn't do things right, and you sort of dread going there. And then you decide you're going to fight back. You're going to give some attitude, and you're going to talk back, or you're going to cause problems at work. You're going to talk behind his back. And, and the end result of all of that will not be good for you. It'll just create a more toxic situation. It's toxic enough as it is. Your boss has already created a toxic situation. So don't contribute 
to the toxicity by gossiping and slandering and doing whatever you can to undermine your employer. Rather, a more wise thing to do, what Scripture calls us to do, is submit to your boss and be pleasant, be kind, and smile. Do the very best you can do in very bad situations. People will notice. People will notice what your um, attitude is, and they will respect that. If you respond to mistreatment by becoming insubordinate, if you become rebellious because of uh, someone else's treatment of you, there's no glory in your suffering. Verse 20 says, For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? The first part of verse 20 basically says, Hey, if, you, you, if you're a goofball and you uh, do something wrong at work and you get called out on the carpet for it, and then you get on Facebook and you say, I'm just being persecuted because I'm, I'm such a Christian and, and, and my boss is so mean. No, uh-uh. Not if you caused the, not if you dug your own grave there, not if you dug the pit that you fell into. There's nothing glorious about getting in trouble because you earned that trouble. But rather, verse 20 continues. It says, but if you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. I'll give you an example. Your boss says, hey, I need you to fudge some numbers here so the report looks good. And you say, well, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I can't lie. I'm not going to lie. You better lie. If you don't lie, I'm not going to give you a raise this year. Well, you do what you got to do. But I'm not going to lie. So your boss is mad at you, and you don't get that raise, and you're hurt financially. Scripture says God's watching. That finds favor with God. If you do what is right, and you suffer for that, and you patiently endure that, God knows. God's watching. He'll reward you in the end. You just be patient. Watch what God does. There's glory for suffering while doing right. You know, in the end, how you uh, relate to your boss is really about your relationship to Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to suffer like Jesus. Jesus is our example. Verse 21 for you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. Did Jesus deserve to die on the cross? No. Did Jesus deserve to get arrested? No. Did Jesus deserve all the, the torment and the insults and everything else that he put up with? No. Jesus never did anything wrong. And he is our example. And if Jesus could step all the way to the cross and endure the suffering of the cross without complaint can you not endure a little bit of suffering from your boss doesn't even compare with what Jesus went through Jesus is our example he endured suffering in a righteous manner we can as well our suffering doesn't compare to his. So don't let circumstances cause you to lie. Don't let circumstances cause you to sin. Verse 22 says, Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. 
I tell you what, if the authorities came in here, guns ablazing, and they said, we're going to arrest you, we're going to throw you in prison, and tomorrow we're going we're to hang you up on a cross, put nails in your arms and feet. There might be a, a part of me that would, would lie. Say, I didn't do it. There might be a part of me that said, you, you got the wrong guy. There might be a part of me that, that would somehow try to get out of it and give in to whatever their demands are just to escape the suffering. Jesus didn't lie to escape suffering. And when you think about any suffering that you might go through at your workplace, Jesus is our, he is our example. Do not lie to get yourself out of suffering, but endure it with patience. He was much more mistreated than you and I could ever be, and yet no one could cause him to sin. He had a dogged, determined attitude, I will not disobey my Father. I will not disobey God. There is nothing anyone else can do to ever make you sin. Your obligation is to always obey God. And don't get back at those who try to hurt you. Verse 23. Look, at, here's what Jesus did as well. It says, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus didn't take matters into his own hands in such a way as to cause punishment to those who were unjustly making him suffer. Listen, if you go to work and someone does something to you, your boss mistreats you, and you have this attitude, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Then you remove the ability of God to do a miracle in that situation. God did something incredible when Jesus died on the cross. And when we willingly yield, to those that are our superiors then it gives God an opportunity to work but if you try, try to get back at someone who's hurting you, you you're going to fail at being a witness for Christ I want you to think sometimes it's hard to think about Jesus being our example because he's in the back of our minds we're going okay but he's God you know, I'm not God he's God okay give you another example Stephen Stephen was just a regular old guy early in the book of Acts just like you and me Stephen wasn't God neither are you just a regular guy and Stephen was faithful to preach the gospel message and when they picked up stones and they started hurling them at Stephen in order to kill him Stephen submitted to that authority even to the point of death. Did Stephen sin? No. Did those who hurt him sin and kill him sin? Yes. No one can ever make you sin. When you understand that God is in control of the situation that you're in and you turn your troubles over to him, that it's at that point that you can pray what Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Think about another man in the Old Testament, Joseph. 
Here's Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers. Did he deserve that? No. He rejected the seducing advances of of Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown into prison. Did he deserve that? No. And yet God rewarded him because he trusted God with his life. And eventually, he became the savior of his own brothers by providing food for them when they were in need. And he told his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. I hope that you'll be a Stephen. I hope that you'll be a Joseph and allow God to work, even if it means going through some temporary suffering. Patiently enduring suffering can change someone else's life. It can change someone else's destiny. I mean, think about at your workplace, if you've got just a bear of a boss You've got a mean-spirited boss. You've got a bad work situation, and you just can't stand working there. I want you to think in terms of eternity for a minute. What if, by being patient and enduring the suffering and being a Christian in all of your actions and words throughout that suffering, you were able to plant a seed of faith in your boss or someone else who will eventually turn to Christ. But if as Christians we go to work tomorrow and something goes wrong that we don't like and we fuss and holler and snort and slobber and everything else, and we're just as mad as everyone else and we're just not going to put up with it anymore. We've got a terrible attitude. You destroyed any chance of someone saying, you know what, I want to become a Christian too because Christians act like that. Not a chance someone will say that. The most amazing thing that can happen in God's kingdom on a weekly basis usually doesn't happen on Sunday mornings at church. It usually happens Monday through Friday at work or at home. Out in the real world, where God interacts with real people in a real situation. We come together here to refuel. We come together here to be encouraged. We come together here to learn. We come together here so we can go back out in the real world and live out our faith there. And so we've got to get way past this attitude that has just infested our churches that says, Okay, church time is when I'm a Christian. Then out in the world, I live like everyone else. Now, you better live like a Christian out in the world with everyone else watching. Otherwise, those people out there that need Jesus, they're not going to get saved. Because I don't see them right now tearing down the doors of the church trying to get in. Anywhere. Not just our church. Anywhere. If people are getting saved, it's because there's real Christians out in the real world living out a real faith and so we've got to be serious about that this is where what Peter says to us what God's word says to us really hits home it's living out our faith in the real world because that's where the difference will be made it can change someone else's life it can change someone's destiny Look what happened with Jesus in verses 24 and 25. It says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 
so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. If Jesus, on his way to the cross, developed a bad attitude, if Jesus, on his way to the cross, changed his mind and said, I'm out, I don't want this. If Jesus, on his way to the cross, sinned, how would that affect all of humanity? How would that affect your, your salvation? You wouldn't be saved. We'd be in a terrible, terrible spot. You're not Jesus, and neither am I. But I'll tell you this. Tomorrow, when you go into work, and it may not be everything that you hoped and dreamed for, if you go in there with a bad attitude, and you go in there with sin, and you go in there saying, I'm, I'm out, I'm not going to have a good attitude and good thoughts about this place i'm going to fight for my rights i'm not going to suffer for anything if that's your attitude that can have a terrible effect on those that see it and witness it so please be mindful i know suffering under a bad boss under a bad work situation is not a fun thing to do but god called you to do it He's called you to do it. This is a calling from God. Why did God make me a plumber? Why did God make me an electrician? Why did God put me in this situation? Because there are people there that you need to show the love of Christ to. Well, what if that means that I'm, I work for a bad boss? Well, then it means you work for a bad boss. Deal with it submit to your authorities be pleasant be Christian do what God says and things will actually in the end go much better for you if you learn to submit to your boss what does scripture say in these verses God's favor will come upon you and I, I believe that you'll actually even find favor in your boss's eyes your boss may actually know that he's a bear. He may not like being a bear. But your boss is watching, and he knows he's got a good attitude and who doesn't. God's favor will come upon you. Your boss's favor may come upon you. And in the end, I know this for a fact, you will be happier. You're always happier when you do what God says than when you fight against the authorities in your lives. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today. I'm going to ask you to pray for your coworkers and your boss. Every day this week, if you're the boss, you pray for your employees. Every day this week, each of them by name, every day. And if you don't know what to pray, you just pray, God, have your will accomplished in this person's life. Let your will be done in this person's life that's a good prayer but you pray for each one by name and let's see what God does